and I'm sure Ryan, like for your, in, in, in your example, you're learning, you're interviewing all these folks about how to start a show. I'm willing to bet that you're pretty damn good at knowing what it's like to start a show or you like, you know what it takes. You probably have, like, you're not just, you're not just this robot that's collecting these artifacts and these, these videos and then just distributing them. Like you're learning in real time pretty exponentially. And I think that learning process is something that a lot of folks that are looking to start a podcast or show, I don't think they're, if, if they're starting it for the wrong reasons or they're starting it for reasons that don't identify with themselves personally, they don't really capture that idea that they're going to really learn quite a bit. And that learning is, I think, the most valuable part about the entire process. Welcome to the Data Binge Podcast a library of discussions with technologists and business leaders focusing on the human relationship with technology. Three, two, one, deploy. Hey everyone, thank you for joining today's episode. I hope everyone is well, staying positive and having an amazing week wherever and whenever you are. I'm actually very excited to introduce you to today's discussion because one of my favorite things to do is to create meaningful content that adds value for folks while very selfishly having a really good time throughout that creation process. This podcast, some of the live content I've been creating lately, as well as some long-form publication-type content are all examples of that. And for me, my true opinion on this, on this topic, the reality is if you are an executive, and Peter Drucker describes an executive as someone who is in a position who can make some kind of decision that may impact the direction of a business, yours or your employer's. So if you're listening to this, if you're in the corporate world, I'm leaning on believing that you are an executive at some caliber, at some capability, at some level, and you're having some kind of impact. So if you are an executive and you don't have or you're not contributing to your professional digital footprint, or professional digital brand today in 2020, then you are paving the way for your own irrelevance. I so strongly believe in this, especially in this COVID era that we're dealing with perpetually. You have to be creating content. You have to be sharing your thought leadership digitally, whether on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever, because it will slowly become the only way for all of us to be able to communicate our professional value in this fast approaching future. Just a quick stat to leave you with, in Microsoft's latest earnings call, fiscal year 2020, quarter four, there were over 706 million LinkedIn users with content sharing increasing 50% year over year. This is the generation of digital content. Today's episode is a recording of a live interview discussion hosted on LinkedIn Live featuring a program called The Example Show, produced by Ryan Swanstrom. Ryan is a heavily credentialed software engineer with a master's in math from Iowa State University and a PhD in computational science and statistics. Smart dude. Ryan's experience spans across over 20 years of working with notable enterprises, including Northrop Grumman all the way through to organizations like Wells Fargo and Microsoft. And most recently, Ryan consults for various organizations on his own, while late and current projects focus on reporting and analytics related to buying patterns during the COVID pandemic. Ryan is also the author of the oldest data science blog on the internet, Data Science 101, started in 2012. I didn't even know data science existed back then. And you can find links to this amazing community within the notes of this show. The example show that is featured today is a weekly live interview show that really dives into the challenges and the successes of creating a weekly show, program, podcast, etc. Ryan brings on some really talented guests to talk about different elements of how and why they create content. Today, Ryan brings me onto his show as a guest to talk about the why of creating a show. I really hope you enjoy today's segment and feel free to glance over at some of the resources in the show notes if you are interested in following Ryan 
seeking a path in data science. And I'm sure we're going to have Ryan on this show where I'm interviewing him about his data science endeavors. Or check out the resources if you're really interested in learning more about content creation. Thank you so much for listening. And now I bring you the example show featuring Ryan Swanstrom and I. Oh, we are live this morning. Good morning, everybody. I'm I'm excited and a little rattled this morning. A little short backstory here. I tried to restart my computer before I went live, and all of a sudden it had to do a firmware update, and that took about 15 minutes. So we're just a couple minutes behind here, but I'm super excited to have Derek on the show. If you don't know Derek, that's okay. You'll get to know him today on the show. Derek and I have been trying to get this together for almost two months. Things just work a little slower when you got coronavirus going on. But Derek is the host of the Data Binge podcast. He's been doing that for a number of years. And he loves to talk about the behind the scenes of how and why you create shows. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But I'm going to toss it over to to Derek to tell us a little bit about himself and give himself some background. And Derek, feel free to brag here. This is where you get to tell people how great you are. (laughs) <laughs> thanks ryan so it, it's funny with the heart the the harder s- start that you were experiencing this morning i think that's completely 100 percent natural and happens probably every single time i do a show it's something always goes wrong it's like murphy's law just a quick anecdote yesterday we were doing a live broadcast uh about experiencing anti-racism with uh, virtual reality we had a couple professors on uh, Columbia University and Stanford University. And uh, the Stanford University professor, uh, Jeremy Balenson, he's a professor of communication. And the first thing that he kind of mentions in our prep talk right before we press live is, you know what, this from a communication perspective, I study this, this setup is just not good. <laughs> and it was, it was amazing feedback, but it was right before we went live. So it's like that, having that anxiety right before you press the, the live button. And it worked out tremendously well. Uh, we were able to fix it to 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 where he really wanted uh, the the angles to be and, and the images to be when we went live, so it worked out. But these things happen, um, yeah. So Derek Russell, I'm a data and AI specialist at Microsoft, Microsoft's West region. So I support high tech engineering, software, and power and utilities customers in how they can leverage the power of their data estate to create innovation and disruption that empowers their employees and their customers. So everything from data ingestion, where you store data, how it's reasoned against with machine learning and artificial intelligence, and then how it's distributed uh, to their end consumers and applications via uh, advanced analytics and Power BI, which is our visualization uh, tooling. So that's what I do at Microsoft. I also am the host of this podcast, the DataBench podcast that I've been doing for about three years now. I'm also a co-host of a program, a live program we just created, myself and a colleague of mine, uh, Ali Mazahari. He's the director of the Microsoft Technology Center, both in Denver and in Irvine. And that show is about uh, the evolving landscape of tech, specifically with Microsoft partners, colleagues, employees, uh, and customers. And yesterday, we had a couple academics uh, on to talk about VR. So I'm doing that as uh, as sort of a stretch projects just to keep me, I guess, um, insane. (laughs) <laughs> when I'm trying to capture the day-to-day. Uh, I was recruited into Microsoft from a full-time MBA program at the University of Texas in Austin, uh, Macomb School of Business. So I do not have a technology background. Uh, I have more of an environmental engineering, environmental health and safety background. Really wanted to get into technology, really wanted to get into the automotive industry. I wanted to work for Tesla at some point, but then I got married. My wife got pregnant. Things changed. Needed to, to work for a, a bigger organization with a culture that I could believe was going to be good for my family. Started reading some books about cloud computing and AI, really got pulled into it. And, and here I am today. So thanks for that. Hey, well, that's good. Uh, a couple of comments on that. One, uh, you mentioned Ali. He's watching the show. He's from Irvine, California. I, another thing, it's super early where you are. It's 630 in the morning. Yeah, I'm he's an early school. riser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in the central time zone, so it's it's 8.30. It's a little more reasonable time to get up. Uh, you mentioned uh, the live show that you did yesterday. I think we're going to talk about that a little yeah. bit later in the show just because it's interesting, the topic there and the concept of 
putting together those live shows is something I want to talk about. But before we get too far into those topics, I always run people through, I think it's four questions, just so the audience can get to know you better. You already know the first question because I put it up on LinkedIn this week. Yeah. How many cups of coffee do you have per week? I typically have 20, about 20, 20 cups. All right. And so now I have a little bit of a story. For those of you watching on LinkedIn, I posted this question on LinkedIn this week, and I'm not a coffee drinker, so I don't have any, but I found out that coffee is something people on LinkedIn are very passionate about. And everybody had a comment and everybody had an opinion. Some people only buy it from certain coffee places. Some people roast their own beans. It was, I was, I was kind of blown away at the response to it. Really quick story on this. This is, I was thinking about this before we jumped on, but, uh, when I was in my MBA program, I was drinking like a huge thermos of coffee every single day. And I was super nervous and sweating all the time. I was having these like weird heart things. I was like doubting myself. I had like anxiety and like these weird psychological fears started to come up when I went to go public speak. And I went to, I saw a doctor and the doctor on campus. And I told her my, my essentially what was going on symptoms. And she said, do you drink coffee? And I said, yeah, I do. She's like, how much coffee do you drink? I described that to her and she, it blew her mind. She's like, you need to drink less coffee. My daughter had the same problem when she was in school. I drank half the coffee I was drinking and all that stuff went away. So <laughs> be careful how much coffee you drink. Wow. So for yeah, those of you yeah. watching, if you drink too much coffee, if you responded <laughs> to my question and you drink over 50 cups a day or a week, you might yeah. need to do something about that. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. One person commented and they said it might be easier just to add the pots of coffee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Next next question. What is your favorite restaurant? Oh gosh. That's uh Sushi Town. It's a small rest, uh Japanese sushi restaurant just down the street from me in Costa Mesa. Incredible sushi, very affordable and it's got like this hometown small villagey Japanese type neighborhood feel that we just absolutely love. And we just order it takeout. Uh, now, because obviously we're not going in there and sitting and eating sushi, but uh, we really enjoy that. Well, that's cool. I'm not a sushi person, but people always have interesting answers for this question. And since my coffee question on LinkedIn good, good, I'll probably ask this question sometime on LinkedIn <laughs> and see if people have answers for that. All yeah. right. If you're a reader, are you a paperback person? Are you an ebook person? Or are you... I guess hardcover could be in there. Or are you not a book reader? Love reading books. I like used paperback and hardback books. You can get them really cheap online. And then I like writing something in the cover and then gifting them to somebody. The cool thing is I've gotten books from others that already had an inscription from a past reader's gift to someone else years and years ago. So that's really cool when you can kind of put your little note beneath their note and send it to somebody. Uh, but predominantly, I'm a, kin- a Kindle reader. Love Kindle. I, that's a that's kind of a cool story there of uh, writing a note in there and passing it on. I also like the tip of buying used books because they're cheaper. And I don't know, used books, there's a story behind everything. And especially if you write notes in there, that's kind of cool. And, and the Kindle thing is cool. If people don't understand this. You can get the paper white for used for like 50 bucks. Some of the stuff you can get unli- like for free on Amazon if you have an Amazon account. You can get books for free. And then you can also get books for free from your local library by using Libby, the Libby app or the OneDrive app. Microsoft yeah. has their own library. So I get books from them from free. I get books from the local Newport Beach uh, library for free. Like It's the best way to save money and read a ton of books. I, I have used the library to get books. I've even interlibrary loaned a few books from my library, my local library. So it it does work well there. All right, let's jump into our next question. Growing up, what career did you want to have? I think I wanted to be a cop, um, which is probably not the the best answer (laughs) like right now. Um, But I wanted to be a, a policeman. You know, I really, I looked at policemen like, they were just these big heroes and I grew up on action movies and really wanted to stop crime. And, uh, that's, yeah, that's what I really wanted to be growing up. I, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a cop or being a cop. I, that may have been in my dreams when I was a little kid at some point, but 
it's 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 great. Really appreciate all the work that the the police around the world are are doing today. By the way, well, yeah, it's good, and it, it like like you alluded to, it's not a. I don't know if I want to say it's not a great time for cops. Cops are getting a little more attention, and for good reason. The last couple of months, yeah, as 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 they should be. And if anyone wants to have that conversation, let's definitely let's definitely have it. I'm constantly trying to create content around. Uh, Black Lives Matter and and creating some more proximity to the challenges that the Black community is experiencing today. So, tons of stuff to be to be talked about there. It it is it is a big topic, and I don't know how much we're going to touch on it here, but yeah. So if if you're out there, you want to do a show, you want to talk about that, Derek, you can talk to Derek. So <laughs> at the end, we'll we'll tell you how to get a hold of Derek. Uh, we got a couple of comments here. Uh, Dr. Travis Perry is watching. Great stuff. I can't ever figure out how to pronounce this name. Go, Go Palin. Well, thanks for watching. And sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. Uh, a couple of other things. We're going to jump into the content that we want to talk about. I call this the example show because months ago when I started it, I had heard people talking about how you can just create a show and you can turn it into a podcast and you can live stream it and people will watch it and it works. And I thought, well, I want to try to do this. And so I just called it the example show of how to do that. And as the show has evolved over the last couple of months, I've realized I'm starting to focus more on talking to people that have created shows and podcasts. So that's what we talk about a lot on this show now. And for this one, we're talking with Derek, and there's a ton of topics I could talk with Derek about, and we're probably going to talk about a bunch of them. But one of the ones I really wanted to focus on was the why of creating a show. But even before we get into the why, first question here, talk us through what was it like when you first started your podcast and like start us from the beginning. I think what happened was I was I got hired into Microsoft. And again, I didn't have a technology background. I had more of a business sales strategy background. And I was very, not only was I insecure about the fact that I didn't understand anything about coding, infrastructure, things like SQL Server databases, had zero knowledge, absolutely zero. I just had the passion to learn, to learn about it and really loved the tech industry all up. And as I started to talk to folks, literally my first year at Microsoft was just interviewing friends and colleagues and people that I work with closely on what these different technologies were. Help me understand what does this mean? I would reach out to some of these coworkers and super great people and they would take the time to explain these basic concepts to me. And at some point I realized that I'm not the only person on the planet that doesn't understand these really tough concepts, especially you know, in terms of onboarding new employees, folks that are being hired out of MBA programs, diverse and inclusive talent that just don't have those types of backgrounds. And focusing on those types of interviews, I thought was important. And then I connected with someone, I I believe the, the name of their podcast was the ultimate guide to partnering. They were able to give me that proximity to, hey, why don't you just focus on a podcast yourself, Derek? You're already interviewing these folks. This, and it, they just gave me this inception of this idea. Maybe it could be for your technical people in your, in your region, and you could help folks understand you know, these different concepts. I took that idea. I absolutely ran with it, started interviewing folks at Microsoft, um, recording it, and it went really well. It was, it was, it was hard at first because there's a lot of unknowns in the process. Like you're scared. There's imposter syndrome. Like what the heck do I know? Like I'm the idiot here. Are people going to know that I'm an idiot when it comes to the, the self-talk was terrible. <laughs> right. But I think yeah. just doing and execution is the number one. And ne- since then I've branched off into not just folks that work at Microsoft and not just concepts that surround the specific idea of technology or cloud or AI. So I think just doing it and going through the pain, going to the gym for the first time always sucks. You know, it's never, it's never good. You don't look good. You don't feel good. You don't feel like you should be there, but when you go there consistently, there comes a time where you, you feel like you belong and you're actually good at exercising. So that that's the parallel that I make between those two things. Right. So that's cool that you started just doing, 
Were you doing the interviews before they recorded? Were you doing them phone calls or were you doing them via Skype? They at the time it was Skype. So that was before we had teams. So we were yeah. I was or in person, like literally handing someone an expo pen and saying, Can you white we love whiteboarding? Can you whiteboard this out? Like what is a processor? What is a server? Like why are we what is why are we selling licenses? Like, what's the purpose of this? You know, what is the cloud? Can you help me understand what a distributed database is? All those different things I didn't understand. I was asking these, I was, it was cur- I was really curious. And literally I'm thinking this entire time, oh my gosh, how do I capture this, this data for myself? Like I started video, I was videoing, I was, I was taking audio recordings of it and then re-listening to it at the gym just to like, literally, I didn't even tell my boss about this, but there's multiple times that he gave me these lectures about how to do certain things in the business. And I would record him and, and, and I probably shouldn't be sharing this and not tell him. And then later I would re-listen to it multiple times over and be like, Oh my God, like, what is, what does that mean? And then literally read like, rewind it or press the the rewind button, have my wife listen to my, I'm like, what is he talking about here? What does he mean? And my wife would listen to him. Like, I think he means that it, it was that difficult, some of the concepts to learn. And that's what gave me the idea of, I need to record this. I need to share it because there's going to be significant impact, not only for myself, but for others. So I think that initial motivation was definitely absolutely learning. There was one tip in there that you, you kind of threw over the recording meetings and in teams, if you don't know this, every time you have a teams meeting, you can go click on the options and you can click record the meeting. And this is honestly, this is a, a great tip, especially if you have important meetings with work colleagues or with your boss and you know, they're going to give you a list of requirements of things you need to do. Instead of trying to take notes, if you just hit that record button, you can do that, and then you can go rewatch the show, and you know, rewatch the the meeting and pull out all those notes. I don't know. That's something I've been doing the last couple of months, and it seems to be working very well for me. But uh, next one, so you transitioned from you wanted to learn how to do this to now I'm going to start recording these and turning it into a podcast. At the beginning, did you have? Did you have any any real reasons for why you wanted to create this show? Did you want to become a famous podcaster? Did you just want to share out this knowledge with other people? Like, wh- what was your? Why did you? Other than someone brought you the idea to podcast, why? What was the why behind your podcast? I, I think inherently it was learning. It was it was challenging myself personally. It was challenging myself. It I knew that to do this, I would learn. A, just a tremendous amount. Um, and then it would force me, it would provide a forcing, it would provide this forcing function to enter this platform and to own this platform with others and to build this community where I could then reach out and have a reason for reaching out. And it would, again, this forcing function of allowing me or having me learn on the fly something that was really difficult and then creating this, this library of discussions is essentially what I, I, I call the data binge podcast, a library of discussions with technologists and business leaders focused on the human relationship with technology. So how do you build this library of discussions? And when you think about it that way, it makes sense. Like I have a library here in my office. I love going to the library. I love it's, it's great when you need to have some capture of knowledge and you have it at your, your every whim. You can you can have it accessible anytime that you need it. So I think that idea of having building that library was just really cool to me. And then that's why I wanted to to start. So it was essentially build a library, use it for yourself, number one. And number two, you know, share it with others so you can have additional impact. Yeah, that's very similar to why I decided to start the example show. I wanted to I wanted to practice live streaming and interviewing of people. And I thought this is interesting. I I'm just going to record these. I'm going to live stream them, give myself some practice, live streaming, talk to interesting people and make a collection of those things. Like all these videos, they're all on YouTube and there are many snippets that I've put all over the internet, but it's having that collection of resources. That's helpful to me talking to people like you who have done these things before 
and have a little bit of knowledge and experience in how to do this is great. And having a library of that stuff available and that information is good. So, so that's neat. So similar thing we have going on there. And I'm sure Ryan, like for your, in, in, in your example, you're learning yearly interviewing all these folks about how to start a show. I'm willing to bet that you're pretty damn good at knowing what it's like to start a show or you like, you know what it takes. You probably have like, you're not just, you're not just this robot that's collecting these artifacts and these, these videos and then just distributing them. Like you're learning in real time pretty exponentially. And I think that learning process is something that a lot of folks that are looking to start a podcast or show, I don't think they're, if, if they're starting it for the wrong reasons or they're starting it for reasons that don't identify with themselves personally, they don't really capture that idea that they're going to really learn quite a bit. And that learning is, I think, the most valuable part about the entire process. Yeah, couple points on that. The whole learning thing, I, it kind of goes with whatever topic you you have or you want to learn. Because mm-hmm. I have a large background in data science. And one of the best things, people always ask me, how do I get into data science or how do I get there? And and I learned this from Brandon Rohrer, who always said, just start building a project. Pick out whatever project it is. And you're going to, you know, suppose you want to study traffic in your street or in your city. The first thing you got to do is you got to go find that data and you have to figure out where do I even go for this data? Is it available on an open data platform? And then once you get it, you got to realize, how am I going to analyze this? And if you just focus on the next step, you're just going to continue down this project that you picked out and is interesting. And six months later, you'll have this laundry list of things you learned how to do. But if you just create a checklist at the beginning and say, I want to learn this check, learn this check, it's not as motivating because it's just a big checklist. Whereas if you choose an interesting project, you just learn some new things every week and you're just getting one step farther in your project. It's similar to hosting a show. Two months ago, I didn't know a whole lot about doing live streaming and getting things going. Now I know quite a bit more. I'm not an expert, but here's something something I've, I've started to talk about a little bit more. I see there are really like three types of shows and you had kind of mentioned this in your why. I say there are hobby shows and people who put on shows around their hobby, whatever it is, their hobby is, whether that is football, uh, fishing, sewing, whatever. It's just a hobby show. It's something they really like to do and they want to talk about it. Sometimes they have guests, sometimes they don't, but it's a hobby. They're not Mm -hmm. planning to make any money. They're not trying to sell you something. It's just what they like to do. And then there's what I consider sort of the marketing type of podcast. And that's a lot of times done by a company or an individual. The podcast or the show doesn't make any money, but it helps promote some other product that a company sells. Like Microsoft has a number of these shows going on. Like the AI show that the Microsoft puts on, they don't sell anything on the show, but it promotes and talks about the Azure AI suite of tools. And so you can watch the show to learn about the tools and eventually Microsoft thinks people are going to buy Azure products and know how to use them and spend more money. So it's kind of a marketing show and you don't have to be big like Microsoft to do that. Little companies and small businesses do it as well. And then there's the other type where the show actually is the final product. And this is sort of similar to TV shows, but these types of shows sell some advertising or they have some affiliate marketing associated with them. But the show is the major product that they're trying to create. And when you were talking about having your why, which are are your shows different on that list? Does that list of three even make sense to you? I mean, how would your show fit into that list? It's funny when you were walking me through that, I was thinking to myself, well, why can't all of those be combined in one show? Why why can't all those whys be condensed into one show? And that's typically what I think about it. Like for me, and I wrote this, I wrote this article, how to start a podcast, the go, no, go three steps to go, no, go on your podcast journey. And it, it also captures some things you can do from a live broadcast perspective, but I focus it on these three specific things that you just have to have. If you're going to start this thing, you're going to invest your time. Is it aligned to how you make money? And that could come in a whole lot of different ways. It could be 
it's because you're an AI specialist at Microsoft and you want to focus on AI products and talk to AI people because, hey, you work there in your career and it's how you make money. You better, you better learn how your product stack, you better learn the technology so that you can then go and do your job better. Can you imagine up to 50 episodes on the fly? Like if you can't just imagine 50 episodes that you could potentially do and get excited about it, there's not enough that you currently have around your topic to do the show. And then finally, does the world need this thing? Because if you don't have those three pillars, essentially, then, you know, I think the average time a, a podcast may last. I think it's called podcast fatigue now. The average time yeah. a podcast might, it may go to is like 13 episodes or something. And I'm pretty sure that they don't go the full length of the the time of the of that they wanted to division this thing because they don't have those three concepts down. So does it align with how you make money? You don't have to make money from it, but does it align with how you make money? Does it have something to do with what you do that does if you're a real if you're a real estate person, if you sell real estate, is this could be a podcast about flipping houses. Maybe it really has something to do with you specifically selling houses, but you're flipping houses in your real estate business. So how could you talk about that? particular concept because at some point it's going to make you better at your real job or it's going to get you closer to people that are going to help you make more money in your real job and then at some point you can make money from that podcast so I, I think like when it comes to monetizing folks really need to think more broadly and when it comes to trying to figure out why they want to do this thing I think it could be an aggregate of a lot of different reasons into one show and I think that's totally okay as long as the number one why is not I want to make money from this thing because that's just not a good way to approach something creatively. Yeah. I guess I've never thought of, you could combine the hobby, the marketing and yeah. sort of the, they can all be combined into one, I guess. Yeah. I that's guess what the data podcast is. Yeah. There's probably some truth to the fact that the ones that are aligned to all three of those probably are more successful, but I think, I think the hobby portion of it comes from, it's something you're just really excited about mm -hmm. whether or not you make money on it. You just want to keep doing it. But yeah, that's interesting. And uh, Derek briefly mentioned his, his article he wrote on LinkedIn. I forgot I was going to mention this in the intro, but it's, it's an excellent article on how do you start a podcast? And it, it covers, it, it's lengthy, but it, it covers a lot of great information that you need to know. So if you're new and, th and at the beginning it's one we're checking out. It's on it's on Derek's LinkedIn page, so you can see his name, Derek Russell. Look I'll him up and, and find it. Going back to the hobby, Ryan, I the I think also a hobby, it's 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 such an interesting concept because it could be there's so many different things that a hobby can be to some to some person. Like you could be really interested interested. You could be a gearhead. Like people so there's some people that love gear, yeah. they love collecting. So you can Maybe the, the hobby is not even about the content of your show. Maybe your hobby is you like interviewing people. Maybe you like lighting. Maybe you like gear. Maybe you like researching gear. Maybe you, there's all like, you know, there's all these different subcomponents of producing a show that are really fun. You know, reaching out to people, meeting new people, going to, to net, networking events, going to con we can't go to conferences now, but building new relationships. So a lot of those substrate like ancillary things that people like to do can be part of that podcast or, or live show journey. And I think those are really interesting things as well that people just typically don't think about that. I, that I try to think about as much as possible to continue to fuel the ongoing process of the shows that I'm doing. All that just makes great sense. And we, we got one comment coming in here. Go Palin wants to know, can you tell me a little bit more about podcast fatigue? I've also heard this as pod fading, meaning yeah. you start and you're really excited and I produce one episode every week and then a month down the road, I'm only producing one every other week and then it's one a month and then pretty soon you never make another one again. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it it's like, I don't want to keep on using the gym anecdote, but like you have to have like that why and that reason for doing the podcast, you have to have a vision of what you're trying to be, who you're trying to be, what you're trying to get to, what you're trying to create. Because without that vision and that end goal, 
it's very, you have nothing that's pulling you or motivating you or inspiring you to get there. So like, so I constantly have this vision of what I want this thing to be. And it's constantly changing every single, it's it's going to change after this show, just based upon comments and your input, Ryan, and, and just the things that we're talking about. And again, going back to these three pillars and that vision is one component, but going back to those three pillars, like you have to, you have to be able to conjure up 50 episodes on the fly or potential 50 episodes on the fly. You have to figure out like, if you're not making money, again, if you're focusing on uh, a hobby, you're focusing on fly fishing or stamp collecting or whatever, that's great. But the, the world happens, COVID happens, uh, social unrest happens, kids happen, you know, marriage happens, you lose loved ones. What is going to keep you focused on meeting your objectives and going towards that vision? So I think when it comes to, and I, I've, I've faced this many, many times with the podcast where I think I have up to 43 episodes now and I'm constantly thinking to myself, I could be spending more time with my kids. I could be spending more time reading. I could be spending more time with my friends, but I don't, or I try to circumvent those things and, and balance them more appropriately because the end goal for me is very, very clear. And if it's not clear, I know that it will become clear as things continue to progress. So I think those goals are super, super important for when folks are thinking about starting. Because I don't think it's worth starting if you're not very purposeful about what you're trying to do. And if, you, if you're purposeful about that, I think you have a, a lesser opportunity of actually fatiguing in the process. There's, there's a lot there. Creating a show or a podcast, it isn't a ton of work, but it is work. And especially things like a live show like this, I do these just about every Friday morning. That means every Friday morning I get up, I got to get up and I got to do one of these. I got to line up some speakers. You know, I got to come up with questions. There's not a ton there, but it just has to be done every week. It just doesn't automatically happen. And so that, a little of that goes into podcast fatigue. And if you don't have your why, it's easy to just skip a week and say, ah, it's okay. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. For, for my show, I like to say I wanted to learn how to live stream. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm practicing these. I still don't know. Like, I don't know if this example show is going to grow, continue to grow. And I'm, I'm already starting to make some training courses on how do you put together a live show? Because what I've done, I've learned a lot in the last two months. And I want to title my show, Create Your Own Live Show in Seven Days. Because I think you can do your first one in seven days. I don't know if I'm going to end up spinning this out into something later on. I, I wanted to learn how to do this. And I wanted to put them out on the internet to share with the rest of the world and the other people that are creating shows and want to get better and do more of that. So that that's kind of my why. My long-term why is a little bit fuzzy though. So, Yeah. I, I, and I, I think that's okay. I think that's good actually, because it could change over time. So I think doing a live broadcast. So with the simply tech live broadcast that myself and my colleague are doing, it takes less time for sure. And I, the cool thing about doing live is there's no scripting. Like you, you, you agree on a subset yes. of ideas and questions and boom, you get into it and it's very organic. It's authentic. Uh, it's two people talking in a, in a coffee shop and then the recording is just a fly on the wall. And it's a great way for people to get started. Right. With a podcast, I think it's a little bit more work. I think I, I put in probably six hours of work per episode, including the time of the recording, just because you're, you're editing it, with, an, with audio, things have to be absolutely perfect uh, because there is no video to capture with it. You're, there's only one medium of, of kind of consuming the content. You want to make sure that it's clean. You want to take the ums out. Like there's all these different things that you, you need to research and ask great questions where I feel like almost in a live engagement, we can just do this. You know, we can, it, it's, I think it's a different setup. And then there's the thing about consistency. I think consistency for me, and you probably will may disagree. And I think Sam Charrington had some great thoughts, uh, on consistency. He was from one of your past shows. Yep. It's really hard for me to be consistent. It's really hard to have a routine where you have 
people that you're engaging with authentically and you need to schedule those engagements with them. And then when you have a family and you have the kids, you're right. Like you have a full-time job. Like how do you like on that Friday, this Friday morning, I, right when we get off this show, I'm going to have to give an executive presentation to a customer like 30 minutes later. So what if, what if that got moved to this time? You, like you have to cancel, yeah. you, you know what I mean? So like at some point I think, I was really hard on myself about consistency and my wife, she's like my guiding light in my, in my life and like my, my, my coach for all things. She's like, you know what, honey, like you just got to do whatever you just got to do as much as you can. You know, like you can't do an episode every Sunday, like do your best. And that was great advice. I'm like, okay, well doing your best feels a lot better than nope. You got to be consistent. You got to release two episodes a week for five years. You know, so I think there's a lot of nuance in those different conversations as well. It can go, it can go either way on either way on that. So last week I actually didn't record one of these. A couple of weeks before it, I didn't have a guest set up for Friday, and and about a week before it, I said, you know what, I don't have a guest, and I'm just not going to do it because I'm not really ready. I don't have anybody to speak, and I'm going to spend my week doing some other things that I needed to catch up on, but. Yes, it, the consistency is important because people know you're going to show up every week or multiple times a week and life happens, things happen. It, it doesn't, you can't always stay consistent. So it, it can go both ways. I would agree with you. Don't beat yourself up over the fact that you can't be 100% consistent because yeah, I, having a full-time job, family and kids and, you know, if you volunteer, there's lots of other things going on in people's lives and yeah. you, can't, you can't control them all. Yeah. Totally agree with that. So I, I know we've texted about this a little bit in preparation for the show, but what are some of the benefits you have seen to yourself and to maybe your career from creating a show? So that has actually been very vast. I think in a very short amount of time and going back to this learn, I can't emphasize the learning. Like if you're a new employee or you're coming into a new career and you really want to get closer to people that you work with and broaden your network, understand the product stack that your company may be representing or building engineering, selling, whatever, like the best way to do that is to start trading content with guests that work at the place that you, that, that you call your career going back to resonating or having this align with how you make money. I think for me personally, coming into Microsoft, it would have taken me so much longer. I don't know how my career would have progressed at all. I don't know if I'd still be at Microsoft if I didn't really put myself this very, very challenging task of doing this podcast, like interviewing some great people, helping, helping, them to help me understand why these different concepts were, were important, digital transformation, data science, um, analytics, like the power of data, all these different things, right? And in that learning process and the interview process, not only did I build these relationships with these great people, and I've had like general managers on, I've had C-suite executives on from different startups, partners of Microsoft, all these different things. But once you do that episode, like we're going to spend this time together today, this is bringing us closer. So you're, you're helping me, I'm helping you, we're helping others by doing this show. And now we're creating this micro community where we can reach out to, to each other, share resources, introduce ourselves to other people. The same thing happens in organizations. So it's brought me closer to people that I can just message. For instance, I had this woman on, she's been at Microsoft for 20 plus years, super well connected in the AI space. Had her on uh, last year and I needed a favor. I needed to have uh, one of our CVPs come and give a presentation to one of our customers in very short time. Didn't know who we were going to have on because they wanted something very specific. I, I pinged her on IM immediately. She got, I didn't even know this person before I had her on my podcast. Really? She got back to me immediately. Hey, no problem, Derek. I can have such and such do this and they can do it next week. So it's like those favors that you can get from people. And then there's people that are reaching out from the community I don't know that are introducing me to new concepts and things. And we're starting to work together on, on projects. Then there's customers too. So I've been many, many, many times in meetings with customers. For instance, I had one a meeting with a customer on the East coast and 
uh, they do a lot of contracting with the government and just to be as vague as possible. And they were interested in VR technology. And they were asking me questions about VR technology. That's not something I know much about. I'm on the data and AI side. But I had just interviewed the senior program manager, senior design manager for the HoloLens like three weeks prior. And she's she Charlotte Pereira. She sits in in Canada, I believe. And we had an amazing discussion around how VR is helping these headsets, augmented reality, are helping women, diverse the diverse workforce in manufacturing uh, environments work with the tools better. And specifically with this customer Pekar, they build trucks. And she talked about going to this this, this factory and, and looking at how people were using this equipment and how certain equipment was built specifically for males because the size of the equipment, a young Latino woman may not be able to to use that piece of equipment just because of the different way it's augmented. So all that entire episode and all the the data I gleaned from it, the learning, I brought to that discussion with this customer in real time and that made a much, much better conversation. And I'll tell you, Ryan, that happens probably four or five times a week where I'm like, oh, hey, you're talking about, you know, the data science pipeline. You know, did you know that this concept does this? Or did, have you heard about Databricks and doing, you know, real-time transformations in Spark or whatever? I didn't know any of that information, you know, before I interviewed someone on Databricks, which is a, a which is a, a startup, it's a, a Spark technology software. Yeah. So bringing all those ideas together from episodes in real time and having our leadership see that and then posting this stuff on social and having my boss's 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 boss see me posting things about our products and being a thought leader, you get noticed, you, you become visible, and it's a great way to climb your way into a new platform of visibility in whatever organization you're in, whether you want to do it internally or you want to do it externally if you're an entrepreneur or you're the owner of a startup. I'm noticing a couple of themes that came out of there. One, I like to think every time I do a new episode, I make a new friend because there's something about doing a live interview. We're having a live conversation, Derek and I right now, and it's different than if we had done this in an email exchange. Like I get to see your face. It feels like you become friends after you do one of these. And a number of the other people I've done live streams with, we've flip-flopped and done live streams on their shows or collaborated on some other things. And so that's kind of fun. That learning part of it is huge. Just talking to other people who are experts and get excited about some topic. I always like to say and tell tell guests, I, I really don't care what you talk about as long as just talk about what gets you excited because that's what I want to learn about. And And then the other one is, yeah, having these things and the ability to put stuff out on social, it can get you noticed and it can be good for your career and boosting you up. So... So those those are kind of the three themes I just pulled out of your, your answer there. And and they're all great reasons that you can notice or that you can great benefits you can get from a show. I uh, going back to our previous question about it's okay if you miss an episode. Ali said just do your best is the is the way to go. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Ali. Ali Ali's a, is an incredible person and colleague. And I actually so this is the funny thing, going back to how this has helped my career and helped and helped me. I met Ali a few years back and he helped bring some, uh, a demo. He actually helped build an artificial pancreas for his son who, oh, wow. uh, yeah, who has a, a diabetic condition and he was d- doing this and he had an analytics dashboard pulled up and, you know, he did this with open source technology with this entire community and he was talking, we were talking to a healthcare provider and he was talking about the power of open source and the power of data and how he helped his son. And I'm, I'm sitting there in the meeting like, oh my gosh, this is great. We talked together after the meeting. I did a podcast with him. I got way closer with him during the podcast episode. And then now me and him co-host a show together. So, so and we're very close friends and I love working with him. So that relationship was built because of that podcast episode. So I can't even tangibly uh, pinpoint all the things that it's really helped in my life and my career and how I, the direction of how I spend my time, but it's, it's, it's super vast. And there's a lot of things that happen that you just don't, you don't 
you, you, you don't understand or know how they could be coming to you. Yeah. And you don't want to do your show because you think you can get favors from your guests. And I know that's not what you're saying, but there's a relationship that forms after you're doing a show that either side, I mean, you could go back to that person and you, you could ask them things, advice and stuff. And it's just, it's like, if you have a friend that you can ask favors of your friends. And when you have people on your show as guests, there's friendships that form there. And it's like you said, even if it's a year down the road, you can come back and say, Hey, I ran into somebody that really falls in your area of expertise. Can you help me out with this? Or can you point me in the direction? And so you kind of build this community of people who've been on my show that I can reach out to, or they can reach out to me. Since you were talking about Ali, this is one of the things I wanted to discuss. So I do my show. I'm the interviewer and you're the interviewee. You do a live show with Ali. Simply mm-hmm. Tech Live, is that what it's called? Yeah, Simply Tech Live. Yeah. Yeah. And so yesterday you did a show, and for those that are watching, they did a show about virtual reality and racism. And they had a couple of academic professors on it who were doing some pretty cool research in this. But I wanted to talk about what's the process that you go through to build or to put on a show that has two co-hosts and two guests, is it different than just doing one-on-one interview? Talk about that. What's the process to get that all together and pull that off? Because it was great yesterday. Yeah, thanks for that, Ryan. And I, for those that want to check out the episode, uh, we'll post some links in the comments of this live stream so you can check out uh, Courtney Cogburn's work. She's a, a, an associate professor at Columbia University for social work. And it's her project along with this gentleman, Jeremy Balenson from Stanford. So definitely I'll post that. That was a f- super amazing episode. Me and Ali have different styles. I think understanding, I think that's what it's like to partner with someone, whether you're two organizations partnering or you're two uh, co-hosts partnering. He's got a completely different style. He's very impromptu, casual. He's not like, he's very like, he's very unbothered by certain things where I'm super extremely structured and I, I worry about a lot of stuff and he's kind of the person that's like, you know, don't worry about this. Let's just, let's just go. Let's just execute. He's very execute minded. He's a developer and a technologist at heart, or I am not. I have a different, I have more of a business background. So I think we bring together our strengths and we fill each other's weaknesses with those strengths. And like, I want to make this thing super, super structured and put all this work into it. He's like, look, like, let's just go with the flow and be very organic. So he's, it's just a great collaboration. And I think even when we, so when we prepare for these different shows, we both kind of put in our two cents and make sure that whatever the objective is, is met. We've never disagreed on anything, oddly. It's like we only kind of positively prop ourselves up for the final objective of creating a really great show. And that's just the way that we get along. But for instance, yesterday's show it, beforehand, I think the day before, Ali called me on just on the fly, said, hey, what do you think about this? I think you should probably ask the questions and I'll moderate because of X reasons. I thought about it and I said, that's awesome. But I'd love if you could kick us off in the beginning, maybe come on the backside of the interview, mention the HoloLens and what you're doing at the Microsoft Technology Center to support this anti-racism experience through VR and HoloLens. He's like, great, that's what I'll do. It, it was just very easy. I don't know how others collaborate, but we approach it. And since it is a live discussion, we want it to be informal. We don't want it to be, hello, this is your question number one two three and i think in the beginning it's like that because you know how it is ryan like you're you're kind of nervous you don't really know this person very well but then throughout the episode it starts to massage down to a, into a, a lot more fluid experience and it starts to get really fun and i think it starts to get really fun like right at the, like the 35 40 minute mark where you really know your guest and yeah. that's it, it, so it's for us it's, it's super it's very casual yeah, one of the nice things you mentioned in there, and this is it, when you have two go- when you have two co-hosts. It, one of the things you did good yesterday with Ali is Ali wasn't on the screen most of the time. Ali was 
just behind the scenes dealing with the comments that were coming in online and I don't know what else Ali was doing behind the scenes because there are things that happen during a live show. You got to watch comments and you got to pay attention to those. And the more audience you've got coming in and the more comments coming in, it can be really distracting for the interviewer, you know, trying to keep up with what are the, what's the audience asking. And I still want to listen to the person I'm interviewing. So that can be difficult. But then at the end, you brought Ali back in because there was some discussion discussion that focused around what he was talking about. Anyhow, it, it was neat to see that work out well and to be done well. So, so kudos to you for that. I have then, just a couple other questions because we're getting close to our, our timeline here. And just one quick comment, Ryan. In the past, we've and you can also switch those roles. So in the past, we were talking about something super technical, and Ali has a technical background. So you can rely on the strengths of the host and then take that position of the moderator or the organizer or the MC and let that po- that person that's closer to whatever the topic is kind of run the questioning of the topic. So the good thing is, is that having two co-hosts is you can switch back and forth. Yeah. So a tip to everybody, co-hosts is maybe a good idea. <laughs> I haven't tried it, but maybe I should. It, it makes a lot of sense like in a business setting where, you know, you've got a couple of people at the business that are fired up about doing this and doing it together. All right. I'm going to jump into, I, I think I just have, I'm going to go with this question. I had a couple more queued up. What's the question that you wish I would have asked you? The question that I wish, um, man, that's hard. I end my podcasts with, if you had seven days and unlimited resources, what would you focus on? And I like those types of questions because it, brings out what that person is passionate about. I think if you were to ask, Hey, what do you, what do you struggle? Like, what do you struggle with? What's the, the biggest thing that you struggle with, with a podcast personally, how have you overcome that struggle? I think just the adversity of like having to do a lot of work. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, been, there's been times my wife's like, look, like you have a family, like you can't spend all Saturday morning editing a podcast. And then there's been a financial discussion where we have a budget of the podcast. So, you know, we're not like we're, we're, you know, we're, we're saving for certain things in our family and I'm allocating a sizable portion of our budget into equipment, into subscriptions, into all these different things. My time is getting taken up. We're thinking about getting a podcast engineer to edit the, the episodes. It's a lot of time that goes into that analysis. Is that going to be worth it? So I think from a financial perspective and a time spend perspective, like really understanding what's under the hood, I think are important things that people just don't talk about. It's like people always like get on the podcast. Yeah, this is great. This is so easy. You know, it's not, it's not a ton of work. It's like, there's a lot of things that go into it. So I think we can probably do another episode completely on that. (laughs) So I think that's what I wish you would have asked me earlier on so we could really dive into it. So I think that stuff is important. Yeah, and I, that's the stuff that I think I want to talk about on the show, sort of the behind the scenes. And see, you just gave us an idea for another episode down the road. Uh, Ali liked the show. That was a comment. Uh, last thing, how do people get a hold of you, Derek? And what do they get a hold of you about? So just talk about that. I'm going to throw your website up here quick. Yeah, I love how I can actually see Ali's comment. I didn't know StreamYard could do that. We use Social Live. I'm going to have to take that to Social Live. They got some new competition. Um, but uh, you, people can get a hold of me uh, via LinkedIn. LinkedIn's probably the best way. Um, if you'd like to take a look at the, the podcast, it's just uh, thedatabinge.com. Um, you can find all the assets for us for our Simply Tech Live show, as well as the Databinge podcast, as company pages in LinkedIn. And I, I typically respond to almost every single message that comes in, unless you're a recruiter and, or you know, trying to sell something weird. But yeah, it's best ways to get a hold of me. Well, thank you. Quick note on that. I've gotten a number of requests lately to buy Bitcoin on LinkedIn, which I never got before. But that's that's a separate topic. You mentioned recruiters reach out, but I, people are trying to get me to start buying and selling Bitcoin. Anyhow, thanks a lot, Derek, for being on the show. Thanks, everybody that 
that listened in. Derek, you can hang on the show, but I'm going to end it here real quick. Have a great day and have a great weekend, everybody. And be safe, everyone. Yep. And we'll probably be back next Friday. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today and having some fun with us in the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow me on LinkedIn or at DRUSS Network, D-R-U-S-S Network on Twitter or Instagram. And you can also reach out to me anytime via email at Derek at thedatabinge.com. The Data Binge podcast is a personal thought form where we share knowledge and ideas. Views and opinions expressed here do not reflect those of my employer, Microsoft. I really hope you enjoyed. Thanks a lot.